Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear, the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Tonight, we are blessed with the opportunity of listening to Mr. Merv Budd, a missionary to Nepal, as he shares his real-life story of how he was changed by the power of God. So back in 1988, I found out I was in one of those situations where I was wondering where God was. I just completed uh, my first year of a two-year short-term mission trip with Operation Mobilization. And I was in Nepal, where we would reach, go trekking in remote mountain regions and villages of Nepal with sacks of literature. We were uh, heading out on a trek, um, and this time we were going to the northern part of Nepal, hopefully getting close to the border of Tibet. Uh, and we had Tibet literature we wanted to give out as well. Dave, who was a colleague, and uh, he was the leader of the Nepal uh, mission field there. We would take literature, uh, like uh, reading primers, uh, told the story of the Samaritan as well as New Testaments, and they were designed to help people read, but also to share the story of Jesus. So it was educational material that was centered around the good news. And the trek would start by us heading out from the capital of, of Kathmandu, and we'd go on a short bus ride of eight to ten hours on some of the most dangerous roads. I mean, they, they really they, they were really roads that fit one bus, but they didn't come against the truck. Back we were taking fifteen hundred pieces of Christian literature with us. And it's uh, going to be one of the longest treks we've planned for a month. And uh, we'd spend our days trekking through the villages, many of them very isolated, and we'd ask people if they liked to buy books. And often the trek would have to go across suspension bridges or bamboo bridges, some a little more dubious than others. You don't have to watch where you're stepping because the boards would break on occasion. i got to say that the Himalayan mountains were absolutely breathtaking. Like, they were phenomenal. There would uh, be some sunsets where the red glow of the sun would dance off the snow caps and be sparkling like it was on fire. It was, it was absolutely incredible. And uh, the Nepali people themselves uh, were uh, delightful. And, and yet, they were aware that at uh, that time, it was the world's only Hindu kingdom, and they weren't allowed to have literature that talked about Jesus. It was against the law. And so we'd ask people if they'd like to purchase a book, and they'd say, what kind of books? And we'd say, oh, these are books that talk about Jesus. And more often than not, they'd say, these are very bad books. And we'd say, well, why are they bad? They'd say, they're bad because they're not good. And this is what they've been told, that these books are bad books, they're not good books, you can't have these books. And then they would say to us, how much do you want from these? And we would uh, sell them, not for profit, but in order that the book would have value to them, otherwise they'd just take the free book and use it for uh, starting fires. Because we get in trouble. And so we asked how far uh, to the public. 
can sell go to the village, sell these last books, get to the uh, bus, and we'll be on our way. So we sold these books, and uh, little did we know that actually it wasn't uh, a couple hours, it was like 10 minutes. And so by the time we got to the village, there was policemen waiting for us. And now, as we were going into this last village, by the way, I did see something interesting. Uh, it was a prison. And I remember walking past that wondering, I wonder if anybody's in there. We got to this place where we're going to catch the bus, and we were told we need to go and sign the, uh, the town register, which we knew we didn't need to do because uh, we've been in towns. Uh, but it was just a ploy to get us to go to the police station. Anyway, we got to the police station, uh, we were strip searched, everything was seized from us, and we were put in jail. A jail cell that was about 10 feet by 10 feet, uh, with um, various numbers of people coming and going for different crimes. Uh, some of which were uh, just being drunk and disorderly, some were for other uh, worse things. And um, we were kept in there for about 10 days. Our porters, who were Nepalis, uh, claimed that they had no idea what the literature was about. And so uh, they were given uh, about a week of hard work and then told they could go back and were released as they went back to Kathmandu, which was great for us because no one had any clue where we were. We had changed our course. We were not anywhere we said we were going to go. Uh, they had no way of getting hold of us, but they got to our, our camp and were able to tell them we'd been arrested. And at their end, little did we know they were securing for us a lawyer. Um, but we've been in this uh, jail cell for uh, about three days. What was happening is they were preparing what was going to be a case against us. We thought we were going to be released. Uh, I've been arrested before that it happened. You get your stuff taken, you get told to get out, and that would be the end of it, but not this time. Anyways, um, the local chief of police, and uh, he would each day get up to go and worship. And so one day he said, would you like to see me worship sometime? And we thought, you mean we can get out of this 10 by 10 cell? Why would we want to do that? No, I said, let's do it. So we, we went with the chief of police uh, under guard, and he uh, was in this small room, sitting cross-legged, and he began to meditate. His God was in front of him, and he began to meditate, and as he began to meditate, he began to shake, and as he began to shake, he began to rise off the ground. Now, I know you're thinking, he can't do that. That's what I was thinking, because I know how bizarre that sounds. I said, Dave, are you seeing what I'm seeing? He says, he off the ground? I said, yes. So we became curious about what kind of God he was serving. So he said, what God is that? We were told it was Kali. Uh, he didn't use that name. That's the Hindu name. I forget the Nepali name, but Kali is the god of death. So I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. Uh, you serve the god of death. We serve the god of life. This could be a conflict. Hey, maybe I'm in spiritual battle. <laughs> I was. And uh, we had come to the region where the god of death was worshipped with words of life, and I think he wasn't happy. In fact, after uh, we had been arrested and taken from the jail cell to the prison, uh, after uh, about a month or so, we were met by the judge who was going to be judging our case. And he, he said to us, he said, you should thank me. He said, oh, why should we thank him? He said, well, after we have our case and I find him guilty, when you are finally released, you can write a book and become very famous. But he had already determined that he was going to find us guilty. And then he said, you pray to your mighty Jesus and see if he can release. And he mocked our God. And I thought, this is interesting. The God of death is against us, and now the judge is judging our case is against us. And by the way, how we were questioned, uh, they took Dave out, and he was taken to the, the courthouse. He was given a, a pad of paper. They would ask him a question. 
but she would write down and he'd have to write his answer up. And they had found, uh, they had kept a journal and journal every Christian he had met, every place we had gone, every activity we'd been involved in. Thank you, Dave. Um, and I felt an incredible amount of pressure because in the fall at that time, uh, mission agencies could only come under one umbrella. It's called the United Mission in Nepal. And so uh, I felt a responsibility that if we were doing what was illegal, it would reflect bad on every missionary agency in Nepal. So I was feeling a lot of pressure. And then after Dave was questioning, we were separated at night so we couldn't talk to each other. Uh, he spent two days being questioned, then they took me and they brought me and asked me the exact same questions to make sure our stories would match up. You know that verse in the Bible says when you're brought before people uh, to be questioned, don't worry in advance what to say? Because the Holy Spirit will give you. I found that verse uh, absolutely true. Because the challenge was to tell the truth, but not too much of the truth. To be able to speak honestly, but not to give more than they were asking that might jeopardize the missions in Nepal. And I was amazed, because um, when we finally got the transcripts and we saw our answers, how they mirrored one another, uh, almost word for word sometimes, in what we said, but also what we left out, uh, and how God protected Anyway, so uh, we, we've been in jail, and uh, we've been about two months, in prison rather, we've been in it for about two months, and then finally, we got a visitor, and it was the uh, assistant to our lawyer. We didn't even know we had a lawyer, so this was good news. Yeah. 
here's the guy who can speak a little bit of English, I die a man, I'm thinking, what, what color are you? And then I realized, oh, no, maybe he meant I killed a man. And then he says, why are you in prison? And they goes, Yesu Dharma, which means Jesus religion. I'm thinking, this is a, I'm murdering Hindu. We did not say that, David, in prison. We were locked in. And uh, I got an old seer quite well. In fact, he had not died anybody. He had not killed a man. Uh, what had happened is, Sarah one day was outside, he found a goat. He thought, this goat belongs to somebody. I'll take it home and care for it until the person comes looking for it. So he takes the goat home, and one day the police visit him, and they say, whose goat is that? He says, I don't know. He says, you killed the man whose goat that was because the man was found dead. Probably falling off the cliff. So they take Sarah, and they begin to torture him, saying, confess. And finally he confessed that he had killed him. And uh, when Sarah was taken, his wife had just had a baby who was just over a week old. And he had been in prison at that time, uh, I think it was two years, and he still hadn't had his first trial case. And it just takes a long time for the will of justice in Nepal. Uh, if he's not found guilty, he'd be at least three years in prison waiting before he got a fair trial. If he is found guilty, uh, he'll be a lot longer. Sarah, he, he was the kind of guy I'd goof around with. I'd be, I'd be praying, and all of a sudden I'd feel a rock hit me in the head. And I'd look, and there's no one at the window, and I'd go in breathing in, and all of a sudden another rock, and Sarah's in the window, no toss, no pebbles at me, and uh, I'd chase him around the corner. We'd, you know, pass the time, then. and uh, Sarah, Sarah wanted to know about Jesus. And he said, you know, teach me, teach me about Jesus, teach me Christian things. Uh, and that's why I said, well, let me teach you, that's why I told him a song, uh, Jesus Love. And uh, he would sing it. Uh, Great big 
name waved goodbye and raised his fish. He goes, Yesu Kujai, which means victory in Jesus. And all the prisoners raised their fish and they go, Jai, victory. And they recognized in Jesus that there was victory and freedom. You know, sometimes God allows us a glimpse into what he's doing. Uh, sometimes we may not know until years later. There's be some things you'll never know on this earth what God is doing. But we are called to be faithful even in the uncertainty of it. It's true for us as individuals. It's also true for us as a church. It's also true for the church in Canada. We're in the midst of great currents of change within North America. Uh, we may not understand what God is orchestrating, but our charge is to remain faithful, to trust God as he causes all things to work for his good and his glory. Try to do right. And I try to be good I know in my heart I've done all that I could But I'm weak and defeated And I just can't go on Won't you carry me, Jesus? Till I can be strong Won't you carry me, Jesus Till I can stand I need to feel you Touch on your hand Your grace again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, 
love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.